Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT. Because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises. From the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer. Which is why no matter what line of work you're in, They've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast from the Times. I'm Matt Chorley. This week we've got a special edition of the podcast recorded live at a Red Box Times Plus event in Birmingham where we debated the big issues ahead of the West Midlands mayoral election with the two leading candidates, Labour's Sean Simon and Conservative Andy Street, plus Times columnists Matthew Paris and Jenny Russell. Sean, if you want to go first, what knock, knock, knock uh, on the door. What's your pitch? Why should you... I, I can answer that question literally, but if I answer it literally, it, it, it doesn't make... Um, I don't think it makes a very good opening statement, but it goes... Um, it goes, hi, uh, I'm Sean Simon. I'm the Labour candidate to be the first West Midlands mayor in the election on the 4th of May, eight days tomorrow. Do you know anything about it? Have you heard of it? Most of the campaign that we've been having for uh, a long time, I was selected as the Labour candidate in August of last year, so this is... You know, for us, this is a very long process, and I've been doing it one way or another for seven years. For most of that time, the answer definitively um, in almost every house that you knock is no, I don't know anything about it, I don't know what you're talking about it. And then um, we go down the, the column of saying, well, what it is, um, it's a new thing. We're having a mayor for the West Midlands. It's a bit like the London mayor, it's by no means exactly the same. That's probably the nearest equivalent, um, which is part of a process in which we here in the West Midlands, uh, finally, after 40 years of being ruled increasingly directly by London, we finally are going to start to take back control of the West Midlands ourselves and start running it here ourselves. It's a major (coughs) change in the architecture of government in the United Kingdom. We are the the most over-centralised and unbalanced developed economy in the world, pretty much, which hugely inhibits the competitiveness of the the United Kingdom. It's actually a huge pressure on London and the South East, um, and it utterly has failed to deliver 
what we need in the West Midlands and the other great conurbations of England. Um, in Germany, more than half of public expenditure is levied and spent regionally, and every one of their um, major cities has a GDP per capita that's higher than the national average. In England, where we levy, uh, <coughs> estimates vary, but between 9 and 19% of our public expenditure regionally, every one of our major cities, bar London and Bristol, has a GDP per capita lower than the national average. So in Germany, they run their regions themselves, and their regions are centres of wealth and prosperity. Here, we're run directly from London. We have very little say over anything, and our regions are struggling badly, is what I say to people on the doorstep. I say, it's about us running our own place and having our fair share. I say, we pay the same taxes here as the rest of the country, but in London, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, they get 20% more in public services than we do, which means they have much better hospitals, schools, they have different regimes for eye tests, prescription <coughs> charges, university tuition fees, and that is being funded by our taxes here in the West Midlands, even though four out of the five constituencies in the United Kingdom have the highest rates of unemployment in the United Kingdom are in Birmingham. We are under great pressure and yet we're funding better services elsewhere. So I say to people, it's about us taking control and having our fair share of the national pie. Um, how does that sound, I say. And almost without exception, they say, that is absolutely right. I never thought of it like that. I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, what's your, uh, what's your doorstep pitch? Well, um, people usually say to me on the doorstep, why on earth do you want to do this? So I thought that might be the question I would, uh, I would try okay, to answer, really. So I always uh, kick off by telling people, of course, that I'm from here and that this is a place that I care passionately about. And I then always tell them that what's happening is actually a moment that we've got to seize. We cannot let it pass it by. It's a wonderful opportunity for this region. And, uh, and the reason uh, for that is that uh, new powers, responsibilities are being given to this place for the first time in 30 years. And I genuinely think that I can make a difference when those powers are given to us. I usually then tell them a bit about my background. So I'll tell them that it's because of those new, that new opportunity that I gave in my job in John Lewis. I usually tell them that I started as a youngster there, a trainee, moved up to be the MD of the company, but I walked away from all of that six months ago because I wanted to do this job. There's usually a moment where we can talk about the fact that progress has begun to be made here. And uh, actually, this doesn't come up on the doorstep, but it's worth just reflecting tonight that you're sitting in what is now the fastest growing city in the UK. But despite that progress, there are enormous challenges across the West Midlands. And we then usually get on to one of the three main subjects, whether it be the need to transform public transport, the need to produce far more of the right type of houses quickly, or indeed the need to think about our economy of the future and where the high paying jobs are and how we're going to train people for those jobs. And we usually talk, somewhere depending where we are in Stabridge this afternoon, it always comes up, things look great in Birmingham city centre, what's happening in the rest of the conurbation. But I guess the thing that always leads people to reflect that they might 
vote for me. So clearly, Sean and I meet very different people on the doorsteps. Is we talk, <laughs> but we that is true, of course, isn't it? Because we knock different true. doors. It is true. <laughs> we knock on different doors. That's the whole campaign. But uh, what we end up uh, talking about is the things that are going to be the personal qualities that are going to be required <clears throat> to actually make a difference here. So we talk about the fact we need proven leadership, we need an ability to take tough decisions, we need incredible hard work, and then I tend to conclude by saying that I've shown those both in John Lewis and indeed in the local enterprise partnership here. Most people don't know what the hell that is, but we try to discuss that. <laughs> and then, uh, and uh, uh, then really my pitch is that everything I've learned over the years, I'm ready to apply for the people of the West Midlands. Okay, there's got <coughs> quite a long time on the doorstep. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> For both of us. Yeah. <laughs> the house is freezing now. Um, uh, let's um, turn to Jenny and Matthew. Jenny, do, you, do we need another layer of politicians, do you think? Is this, is this a good idea, regional yes. mayors? Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm no expert on the West Midlands. When I said to Matt, why have I been asked? He said, look, you can place these issues in a national context, so I'm not pretending to have a lot of local knowledge. But she's being modest. She knows a lot about Wolverhampton, which we'll come mm. on to later on. Mm. That's but what I do know something. I have visited some areas like Wolverhampton, and what strikes me is that they, when you come from London, they look as if they are caught up in a different universe and have been absolutely abandoned over the past 10 years. And I wrote something about Wolverhampton in a column three or four years ago after George Osborne had announced his great northern partnerships and powerhouses and such. And I said, what really worries me is that this is all rhetoric, and what is somebody like George Osborne actually going to do for places that have lost skills, lost jobs, lost populations, lost city centres, lost shops, lost trade? And Wolverhampton, a lot of people in it, like the editor of the local newspaper and the person who ran the local universities, and then got in touch and said, please, for God's sake, could you do something about championing Wolverhampton? You know, because we do feel completely neglected. And the chief executive of the local council, who I thought was an extremely impressive person, got in touch with me to say how much he felt absolutely trapped by the fact that revenues from taxes in Wolverhampton were very low because of the shrinking industrial base and the, and the low rating of the local houses and the, and the um, hemorrhaging of business. So he didn't have money to play with himself. The austerity meant that huge cuts were being implemented on Wolverhampton. And he just wanted some way of of starting Wolverhampton's growth, but he needed some assistance. And as it happened, George Osborne was going up to Wolverhampton a couple of months later and very um, charmingly agreed to go and meet the chief executive because I said, please, you know, you say you're going to do these great things. Could you please go and talk to him? And not just the chief executive wrote me up very disheartened to say that all that Osborne had to offer was, look, I've, I've set the stage nationally. There are great policies. Now you help yourselves. And it clearly hasn't worked. And so the reason I think that we need mayors is that cities like this just do fall away and behind, and chief executives need more assistance than they're getting. And I can see that while Birmingham is beginning to grow, part of the consequences of that are that people are shopping in Birmingham, the city centres in places like Wolverhampton are declining, yeah. and somebody has got to care enough to have a strat local strategy that says, we are going to bring these towns out of the periphery and into the mainstream and give the people who live in them hope. So, so that's an argument as to why, because some people have questioned, well, you know, the West Midlands isn't really an area that people have a connection well, to. Why I, is it not a mayor of Birmingham? But that's, that's sure. a good reason why, that they're actually... From what I hear, that's absolutely somebody true. Somebody just people banging the jump about Solihull it. have no fellow feeling <clears throat> with people who live in Wolverhampton. Yeah. Well, can, I mean, I don't know how structured we're being here we or whether I can, I can chip a, in. Yeah, we're just having a casual chat. Cool. Okay. <laughs> well, All your words have taken down the <laughs> <laughs> on, 
on that point then, I, I think that's a, it's a really important and interesting point. Um, we, we certainly don't feel as though we're a region. We certainly don't have a language about being a region. We don't tell stories to each other about our region. But actually, I'm absolutely convinced that we are a very coherent, single, cultural and economic entity that is the West Midlands. And if, you just, if I can just have two minutes to talk about what that is. We, for instance, we have a heritage from Wolverhampton in the West to Coventry in the East through the entire conurbation in between. We have a heritage of manufacturing and industry and engineering that is extraordinary in the world. We, we built the first steam engines that completely changed the face of the world and the first iron bridge and the Spitfires that won the war and the Series 1 Land Rover 70 years ago that are still driving around and some of the, some of the most beautiful automotive vehicles that have ever been made uh, by Jaguar. And even now in the east of the region, we're at the very cutting edge in the world of electric driverless battery, battery car technology that will be the next generation of automotive. And that is, our, that is a cultural... That is a true story right across the West Midlands. It's in our DNA and part of, we, part of what we are. And it's not just about manufacturing. That is the creativity of engineering. And by the same token, we have the creativity of Shakespeare, the most important cultural figure in the history of Western civilization. George Eliot, the finest English novelist. Elgar, the quintessential English composer. Uh, Tolkien, a, a, a world imagination unrivaled anywhere. We have a world-class symphony orchestra. The busiest theatre in the United Kingdom sells more tickets than any West End theatre. Heavy metal music born in Birmingham and the black country. Ska music in Coventry. More Punjabi music made in the West Midlands than in Punjab. That is actually what we are. It's extraordinary creative manufacturing, the most super diverse region in the world, one of the youngest regions in Europe. An amazing, extraordinary place. And it's true in Coventry and it's true in Wolverhampton and it's true everywhere in between um, but we don't have any sense of it but just because we don't have a sense of it just because we don't have a language for it just because we don't have anybody to articulate it just because we don't have a word for it doesn't mean it's not true because it is. I, I think that this has all been a little bit so far on the negative side and, and on the on the nostalgic side yes of course um, Birmingham has a, a, a great past the, the West Country has a, a great past, past. And yes, of course, there are problems, especially at Wolverhampton, not everywhere. But it isn't really about what Birmingham was, and I don't think it's about what Birmingham's problems Jeez. are. Okay. I, th I think it's about Birmingham now and Birmingham's future, and the West Midlands now and the West Midlands' future. The, the, the West Midlands are actually rather successful at the moment. They're, they're doing well. They need a salesman. And I think this job, more than anything, it would be the job for a salesman for the West Midlands. The future's pretty rosy. There are problems with transport in particular. Transport could well be sorted out, ought to be sorted out, and, and your, your mayor, the mayor of the West Midlands, can, can do that, has the powers to do that. But the whole emphasis should not be just on need, just on wanting more from central government, but actually on opportunity and on what you're already doing for yourselves. Yeah. Do you mind if I chip in yeah. on that, Matt, with a very <clears throat> practical example of that, which really, I think, answers the question about do we need the mayor um, 
very, very straightforwardly. As some of you might have seen, I was with the CEO of Jaguar Land Rover yesterday. Um, they have a headquarters in Coventry. They have a uh, manufacturing plant in Wolverhampton, in Solihull, in Birmingham, and their research facilities in Warwickshire. And uh, they do not talk about what is the Coventry City Council going to do for um, infrastructure across the region. They do not talk about what Solihull Council is going to do for a skills policy. What they talk about is what is going to happen uh, for this total economic region and how we're going to be able to move goods between our different factories, what's the actual process by which innovation in our universities then comes through to make sure this is genuinely a leading car producer worldwide. And the mayor has got a clear role to work with them on addressing those issues. And one last thing I've learned on this campaign, because we can be terribly parochial sometimes, but I went out to see the Tata Group Board people in Mumbai. And do you know what they were talking about? How long it took to get parts from Wolverhampton to Solihull. And that's on their list, the infrastructure across the region. That's the type of thing the mayor has got to sort out in a practical way. I'm quite keen to... Um talk about the interaction that you that you both might expect between the role of mayor and the Westminster government because you, you oh, talk yeah. about taking back control from Westminster but to some extent you need to persuade you need to persuade Westminster to give you more of that control because everyone seems to agree that the powers that you've got so far will you know should only be the start and more should come so how could you interact with a Theresa May government to uh, to do that it's a negotiation, isn't it? That, that, that's what it is. That's what that's what it is. It's a, it, it, in some ways, it's a partnership, but it's a negotiation. And what it needs to be, is a, is a negotiation from a position of strength, um, which is what we have a right to expect, rather than a supplication, uh, in which we go cap in hand, hand outstretched like children to the government, as we have been doing for 40 years since the inception, I, I accept by a, by a Labour Chief Secretary to the Treasury, of the Barnet Formula in 1978. Um, ever since then, we have been systematically, annually, for 40 years, receiving very significantly less than what ought to be our share of the national uh, pie. And my manifesto says clearly that that needs to be reformed that we should receive the same thing that Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland receive. Basically a block grant, our chunk of the national cash based on our population size and need. And then, like the devolved nations, we should be free here ourselves to decide what we want to spend and how on our education, our health system, our transport system and so on. Doesn't that make you sort of... The King of the West Midlands. No, it makes it makes the <laughs> that's, West. That's not. <coughs> no, it makes realistically that's not going to happen, is no, it? You're uh, not going to uh, well, have a West me, Midlands Parliament let, let decides. Me, no, we're not going to have a Parliament. But let me let me tell you. So realistically, it's the not going to. Dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> you say realistically, it's not going to happen. I am I am absolutely certain that it will happen. It will definitely happen. It is only a question of time. The reason it will ha it will happen is because it is it is an absolutely unfair completely unsustainable position and it has been taboo for 40 years for English politicians to challenge the Barnet formula because it was seen to be the glue that held together the, the non-devolved union as it was when the Barnet formula was set up. Now since that time those nations have devolved government, they have huge powers of their own but we are still funding them. Once and in, once English politicians and English regions formally, this is an election, this is an election and I'm standing on a manifesto 
that very clearly says, we in the West Midlands demand the reform of the Barnett formula. The Conservative government have set up this devolution. They have insisted that we in the West Midlands elect a mayor and set up combined authorities. And if we do so on a mandate which says, we demand our fair share of the national pie, it is inconceivable in a democracy that over time, any government will be able to withstand that demand. It will certainly happen. It's only a question of, of how long it takes, which will depend partly on who's elected in eight days' time. Do you think as a Labour mayor, you stand a better or worse chance of that making that happen than a Conservative mayor with a Conservative well, government? Th there is no chance that a Conservative mayor who's not asking for it will make that happen. So, so th th there is zero chance. Whereas under a Labour mayor, I believe it is certain that it will happen. It won't happen the following, the first week. It probably won't happen the first year. It might well not happen the first term, but it will happen within certainly a, a, a relatively modest number of years. A, at the very least, that situation will start to change it, because it, it is indefensible and unsustainable. You, sure, you, you, you have forgotten to correct me that, of course, Jeremy Corbyn's going to be Prime Minister in a few weeks, so <laughs> it will be a Labour government. Jenny? Sean, you've got um, Theresa May sitting there desperate to fend off another Scottish referendum. There's any chance, therefore, that she's likely to agree to anything which makes remaining a member of the Union look less attractive to the Scots, which is what your suggestion would do? I, I don't think there's any chance that she'll do that in the first week. But as, I, as I've just said, I, I think over time, I think it is unsustainable. It, it, it's, it's just not good enough and not, just not sustainable indefinitely for us to say, well, English regions like ours, who have all the worst social and economic outcomes in the UK, should be paying 20% more indefinitely to subsidise... The, the devolved nations, because if we stopped it, we'll upset them. Like, we can't just keep saying that. That's, it's preposterous. Can I just ask the audience, excuse me, just to interrupt no, does everybody here know what the Barnett formula is, or is it just something that political pundits talk about? <laughs> no, I thought they might not. <laughs> Who wants to just give a Worse quick than that, you're going to ask somebody to explain it. I did explain it. simple explanation, <laughs> just that it was decided... Which year was it? 1978. 1978, that the devolved nations, because, uh, sorry, the, the now devolved nations, that because the, these areas of England, uh, areas of the, I'm getting caught up here, United Kingdom are so much poorer than the rest of the country that they should be allocated state money on the basis that they got more per head of population in public spending than the rest of the country did. And that has remained true. So that on average, public spending in Scotland per person is still something like 20% higher per, per head, which is what Sean is complaining about. He's saying that the West Midlands has exactly the same kind of level of social problems and yet doesn't get the same level of public funding. The, the, the way this conversation is, is, is sliding is the way that <laughs> local government discussion and debate so often slides. Why won't the government give us yeah, more on. money? Spot on. I'm absolutely sure that the Mayor of the West Midlands, he will have to try to get more money from the government, but that his focus should be positive. His focus yeah. should be, what can we do? How can so we go, can go I, on? So can I ask a question? But I don't <laughs> hope this is allowed, Matt. Can I ask Sean a question? Is that yeah, any yeah, rules yeah. of the game? So <laughs> Seems like there aren't any rules. Well, that's what I was just wanting to make sure. Yeah. So the obvious question is, have you discussed this proposal at a time of manifesto construction with the Labour leadership? 
You've asked me that question before, Andy. And I didn't quite didn't believe the answer, though. Because your answer was, your, the first time I asked it in a roundabout way was, I don't take an interest in Westminster politics. And the second oh, time, uh, yeah, it was what you said, yeah. And the second time, you said you hadn't talked to anyone. Now, that's four days ago. And the manifesto of the Labour Party is being produced. And I'm sort of finding myself thinking, you must have taken that opportunity. What, what I said to you previously was, um, I, wa I was... Uh, elected by um, West Midlands members of the Labour Party to be the Labour candidate for West Midlands Mayor. And we in the West Midlands had uh, a West Midlands process whereby we in the West Midlands decided our, our process um, and our manifesto. And we collectively, the West Midlands Labour Party, led by me, elected by 72% of members of the West Midlands Labour Party to lead them in this election, we decided that the reform of the Barnett formula, for the first time, as far as I know, in a Labour manifesto, was going to be a central part of our manifesto. The National Labour Party didn't have any part in, uh, <coughs> in our manifesto process here in the West Midlands, just as there is no, no involvement in by, there is no, uh, the, the, the national Labour manifesto process, particularly in the context of uh, an emergency election which we were all promised was definitely not going to happen, um, uh, <coughs> the, the national manifesto is made by the National Labour Party. They've got one manifesto, which I, I don't know what will be in it, and we have got a West Midlands manifesto. And, what, and the, point, the, point, the point that you're missing, the point that you're missing is that Devolution, devolution applies to, will apply to government and it will apply to political parties. And if what you're saying, if, if what you've picked up is that the Labour Party hasn't yet evolved an, a new set of institutions to keep up with the, what, what the future of British politics will look like in a devolved world, then you're right, it hasn't. Isn't the point that you could pick up the phone to Jeremy Corbyn and say, <coughs> put this in the National Manifesto, that you would devolve, that the National Party could say, we will devolve the Barnet formula to all these regions? Why, why aren't you, you know, that would potentially then put pressure on Theresa May to, to do the same, and then <coughs> Bob's your uncle. Put like that, actually, I wish I had that. I think we should turn Andy Street's question back on Andy. Have you yeah. spoken? Uh, to yes. Theresa May, yes. what, what is she going to do okay. in the Conservative manifesto? Let, let me tell you my approach to this. So there are, the, the whole point here is that devolution has started and the process, if the Conservative government is re-elected, will continue. And yes, she and I have spoken about that, not just in the manifesto, actually right back to last August when I agreed to do this, because frankly, I wasn't going to get on a train that didn't have a future destination even though you don't know exactly where that destination is yet. <laughs> and then, so, the sources of funding for the future are as follows. First of all, yes, we will make our case to London for further investment here, but the whole word of this government is make your deal. That's the word they use, and the clue is in the word. Tell us what return we are going to get for that. And I've got to prove you get a far better return in Birmingham than in Manchester, to put it very bluntly. And I'm very confident I can do it. 
And the things that give me confidence in that, that's exactly what we've been doing over the last four or five years. And it's not enough money, but the investment that's on the table for the devolution deal, eight billion pounds, four billion of it for transport and HS2 related issues is far bigger than there has ever been before. But the far more exciting part than that is how do you use your new powers and regional economic responsibility to bring in other sources of money, particularly from the private sector. So one of the things I will do straight away is begin to put together a private sector investment fund. And actually, all credit to Birmingham City Council. They did a bit of this yesterday, actually, beginning to think about it, but it's just scratching the surface. And that's the way you bring new money and leverage that to drive pieces. And of course, the third area is if you improve the economic performance under the new arrangements, and I'm not going to get into a technical point about business rate retention because that's equally turgid as Barnett formula, but we have actually got an incentive to do better and keep the money here. And I have discussed all those things with Philip Hammond, and he is totally behind supporting the economic growth of this region in those three ways. Andy, can I just ask you, because we all know Theresa May's got an awful lot on her plate, starting with uh, Brexit, but also lots of, you know, there's the NHS and social care and uh, she wants to do schools reform and she's got to try and keep the union together and there's Donald Trump and there's Syria and North Korea. You're quite far back in the queue of people knocking on the door. <laughs> no, no, actually, Matt, not at all. We were right at the front of the queue on Saturday morning in Dudley. You saw the pictures. So, uh, and today in PMQs, which is a bit of luck. But no, it's, there's, there's a really fundamental point here. And actually, Sean and I have agreed on this throughout the whole campaign. The country needs this place and actually other big city regions to do better. It needs Greater Manchester, it needs West Yorkshire, it needs the Bristol Conurbation to do better. You, you mentioned uh, Theresa May here on uh, Saturday. Uh, lots of people have noted that at the start of this campaign, your leaflets didn't look a lot like uh, Conservative leaflets. They were very green. They didn't scream Conservative. Uh, what was that? Uh, I think our leaflets have had Theresa May all over them. The more recent ones have. Uh, no, that's uh, not true. Uh, no, no. Was that a conscious decision? Because you wanted it to be about Andy Street, the businessman, and not Andy Street, the Conservative. In the spirit of honesty tonight, they've all, they've all been branded Conservative. Let's be absolutely clear, push that back. But I will give you a more thoughtful answer to the question as well, actually. And actually, what we were trying to do at the beginning is say, I'm a proud Conservative candidate standing on the stage at the Conservative Party conference. That can hardly be hidden. But... <laughs> Equally, think about this job. This job is one person doing one executive job. I call it a job interview with two million people. It is not a party placement job. And we were actually trying <coughs> to get that to be the question that people thought about. And that's why we dealt with the communication in the way we did. And Sean, your leader was here last week and you didn't uh, join him on the campaign trail. <laughs> um, why was that? Because, in fact, you've not appeared with Jeremy at all during this campaign, have you? He, he was here last week. He was here on the day that the general election was called, um, and which is not a, a West Midlands regional issue, but a national question. And that's why, um, uh, that's why I wasn't there, because it's, you know, I, I don't do national politics. And no, Jeremy Corbyn hasn't been here, but neither has uh, any, any other London or Westminster figure or anybody else been involved in our campaign from outside the West Midlands. The only person I've been campaigning with from the Labour hierarchy is Tom Watson, who is a West, Mid who is a West Midlands MP. The point is, our whole point is that this is about us starting to take responsibility for our own place, not about 
having a bit of stardust sprinkled on us by uh, hundreds of dozens of Westminster ministers and politicians so all you, the time. have you told Jeremy not to come? No, not at all. Jeremy, Jeremy comes. Um, the point is, is he an our asset? campaign... Is he an asset the, for po you? the point is, our campaign is a local campaign. There isn't anybody who is not from the West Midlands and part of the West Midlands who is uh, <clears throat> doing you know, that kind of thing, campaigning, political campaigning. Do you think Jeremy Corbyn would be a good Prime Minister? Uh, I'm not. I mean, it is, it is, it is really annoying... When, when politicians don't answer a question. When... <laughs> Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. It's really annoying. Do you think, it's really do you annoying think Jeremy Corbyn would be a good Prime Minister? It's really annoying that the, when the London media finally comes here and finally takes... It's not about being London finally, media. It is about being it's London about media. It's not about being London media. It is about being London media. The entire country, London, the West Midlands, is, Devon, Cornwall, our, Scotland and Wales are choosing a Prime Minister. And, and that's got nothing weeks. to do and with the election. Labor, you're a Labour That's got nothing to do with you're the election. You're an elected MEP. That's got you're nothing to do with a, the election. For, you're standing on that's a Labour ticket. That's got nothing to do with the election. You're standing on a Labour ticket. Next week, and you won't tell us that you think the leader of the Labour Party will be a good Prime Minister. That's got nothing to do with the election that we're having here in the West Midlands in eight days' time. Yeah, he is not on the ballot paper. a great deal to do with it. I'm what I might call a natural Labour supporter, and I've sat here tonight shaking my head. Um, over recent times, I've become more and more upset that I feel I'm disenfranchised, and many people I speak to feel they are disenfranchised because Westminster is a shambles. The Labour Party is just ramshackle. The Tories, after the Brexit vote, are in a mess as well, from our point of view. And we don't know who to vote for. We aren't convinced by any of you. Now, when I came here tonight, what I would like to hear is somebody really building this region up. You know, I'm from the Black Country originally, I'm a Brummie now, and I was shocked to hear you say that we do not tell this region story. You went to the Black Country Living Museum the other night, we tell it every day. We don't we tell it every do. day. And we don't. Me, but I know, because I do. We tell I mean, it every maybe day. Maybe you do, but most people don't. Tonight, which of you is going to champion this region in the correct way? So let, let me answer that as it was directed at me. You, you, you said, and perhaps it was influenced by the fact that after I spoke initially about what, a, what an amazing place this is 
and how proud it is. Matthew then said, oh, it's all very nostalgic and historical. Actually, a very, just let me finish, a very big chunk of what I said wasn't nostalgic and historical. I did talk about our history and heritage, and I also talked about the, us being at the cutting edge of technological advancement now, and I also talked about how our, our creative offering now, now, here and now, is across a whole range of different activities, leading the world and extraordinary and amazing. I talked about how we have an extraordinary heritage and a fabulous future, and, and my point is, I, I also grew up in the black country and in Birmingham, and if you go out onto the streets out there and you stop 100 people, if you are telling me, and if you stop 100 people and ask them, what do you think of the West Midlands? If you're telling me that they will all give you a, a positive, proud uh, story which understands how great we are and the amazing things we have done and the amazing things <clears> we do do, then you're living in a different place to me because that is not the experience I have or ever have had. Well, I live in, I live in a region... Years and I can tell you that virtually everybody I know in the black country, for instance, would be proud of the region and would yeah, not do yeah. it down. See if you yeah, can convince to this, the this natural Labour voter. Yeah, OK. I think I'd ask you to look at a piece of evidence. Um, I've had two jobs in the last five years. One was to be CEO of John Lewis. You have to champion that. Now, you're not looking for investment elsewhere, but you are actually looking for people to believe. And actually, they give you their custom. I think I understand what representing and leading means there. If something went right, I'd be on the television explaining the results. If something went wrong, I had to be accountable for that. And sometimes it was pretty horrid, actually, in the financial crash, for example. But you stand there as the front man. Then what I tried to do with the local enterprise partnership here, and let's just remember, we took that on in 2011. This city, and it was Birmingham and Solihull, it wasn't the black country, my apologies but I hope you can make the sort of leap that I could do the same. When I took that on, this city had had 40 years of underperformance economically. What we've actually got to is the situation where this city is the fastest growing city in Britain. I am not saying that was my work single-handedly, <laughs> but what I am saying is that what I showed I could do was build a team together <coughs> so that everyone was working in unison and different people played brilliant contributions. The Inwood Investment Agency, the colleges, you name it. And they came together to be effective. And part of that, again, as the front man, was that you had to win competitive bids. Why is the National College for High Speed Rail here? Why have we got the biggest investment enterprise zone in the country, which is growing things rapidly? And you see the buildings around the city centre. Because I went out there and convinced government ministers that was the right thing to do. So when I said earlier on that I would use those skills, that is exactly what I would do. And I always do it from a position of what we've got that we can be proud of already and where we can stretch to. And so Matthew's comment that this is about opportunity is exactly what I believe in. I just wanted to get Matthew and Jenny's take on the impact of national politicians, whether that's Theresa May or Jeremy Corbyn in the... the Sean might not think it does, but inevitably when people go to the ballot box next week, they will be considering all of those <coughs> factors. What's your take on it, Jenny, the impact of the state of the Labour Party nationally? I think it can't help but be terribly damaging to Sean. Um, it seems to me that 
all the opinion polls show that Jeremy Corbyn's um, position in the polls is sinking fast because people are no longer thinking, might this guy be fit for the job of Prime Minister in three years' time? Thinking, good God, do I want him on the steps of Downing Street in six weeks' time? And so Sean is suffering from the fact that Jeremy Corbyn's right there. Theresa May has got almost unprecedented rating. 61% of the population this morning thinks she'd make the best prime minister. I think that's the best ratings there's been for any prime minister for about 40 years. And it also seems to me that, um, frankly, Andy has got a great brand advantage. It isn't the Conservatives, but John Lewis. <laughs> I mean, it's practically my religion. I think a lot of us <laughs> must feel the same. So, yeah, I think, I, th I think this must be bad news for Sean because people are thinking about the political parties simply because a general election has been called in a very focused way that they might have been able to avoid the fact that Sean is a Labour candidate, distancing himself, as he is trying to do from, as he calls it, the stardust of Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, what do you think? Do you think voters should separate the two yes, when they go to they the really, polls? they really should. I think Jenny's right. I, I think there, there will be... Uh, a backwash from national politics and the fact that Jeremy Corbyn is unpopular and Mrs May is at the moment uh, popular uh, will, will redound to Andy Street's advantage. But I don't think anybody should vote for Andy Street because they like Mrs May and I don't think anybody should not vote for Sean because they don't like Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, both, both these men are going to be quite independent in the work that they do. Both of them are going to have to get on with whatever government we have and as far as I can see, the campaigns of both these candidates have been to persuade people to look at West Midlands issues, not at party politics. And I, I, I'm all in favour of that. That's what this sort of devolution ought to mean. Can I say, I do agree with Matthew, but there's something I'd like to ask the audience. And it's um, whether you think that it would be a factor in your voting, <coughs> thinking if we had a notional Conservative running the West Midlands, whether they might get a better deal out of a Tory government. Well, I'd like, can I just ask you whether they, whether they think a Tory would, would get on better with a Tory government? Yes. Yes. Could, could people raise their hands so I could just see where that was positioned? Yeah, and then, so would that affect your vote? Yeah. That wouldn't affect the way you vote, though. Wouldn't it? No. no. Okay. okay. And, so and there's rem two remember, things. Remember that the, 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 the Mayor of the West Midlands also has to get on with all the local councils. Mm, that's also yes. a lot of Labour control. Yes. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much to um, Andy and Sean for uh, taking part because I know they're incredibly busy on the campaign. Thank you to Matthew and uh, Jenny for venturing um, up from London. But mostly thank you to you for coming. And, and uh, yeah, I hope that you um, still continue to enjoy the Times and enjoy Redbox and get involved and get in touch with us because we're very keen to, uh, to make sure, as Matthew was saying, that we, we treat these new um, uh, positions with the respect and level of reporting they deserve. But um, yeah, just once again, from, uh, on behalf of the Times, thank you very much for coming. And can we thank you? Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.